Welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 27. Uh, this episode, we're covering basically the idea... It's an idea I've wanted to do for a while, um, but it's been a lot, of, a lot of work for Rob, because there's four death metal albums I absolutely love. They're all kind of weird, like, underground gems I've not heard a lot of conversation about. And I've forced Rob to listen to all of them and <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, and basically going to be uh, getting his opinions on all of them. So you may have heard of some of these bands, possibly not. Like, a lot of them... Well, yeah, a lot of them are still active, but they're all just kind of interesting underground bands who I think all have slightly their own take on the genre. Mm. The one we're beginning with, uh, Lycathia Aflame from the Czech Republic, who were formed in, like, 1995 as the band Appalling Spawn, did one amazing album under Appalling Spawn, then then sort of that lineup imploded and two of them went on to form Lakeithia. And they did one amazing album in 2000 under that name and basically nothing else since. This band are the most, like, biggest departure from standard death metal. This band are somewhere between Slam and, like, Orphan Land when they were still a yeah. kind of extreme yeah. metal band. And I and somehow they sit <laughs> neatly in that area. Uh, yeah, Rob, what did you reckon to this yeah, one? So, so my sort of first impressions of this was like it's like Nile, but also really happy. <laughs> um, it's an amazing sort of weird mix of you've got this sort of full on slam sound, complete with a like slam style, really tight snare drum. Um, but then it will have these really, really happy riffs as well. These really interesting Eastern melodies. And then this like synth put over the top of it. And reading a lot of the interviews, that seems to be sort of the thing they were going for, is mixing positivity with sort of straight up brutal death metal. And it creates something really unique and interesting mixed with this sort of like ancient Egypt style theme, which is very sort of like life affirming to listen to for something that has a lot of slam death in it, which is weird, but great, I think. Yeah, because this album for me was something that really turned me back on to brutal death metal, which is mm. a genre I've had a really kind of I've had trouble with just because it, there's so many bands that sound exactly the same, and particularly the slam end of things. Like yeah. slam's quite fun for a couple of tracks, but there definitely seems to be a formula, and I love these guys for just having completely turned the formula on its head, like. They, it's still got all the generic um, features of Slam. Mm. The vocals are these really guttural, impenetrable, like kind of one sound, low yeah, reverberating yeah. noises. As Rob said, you've got the tight snare drum giving that really high-pitched <laughs> ping. Like, and it comes, and the snare is like front and centre mm. in the mix. Mm. But then you have like just bits where it'll break down into beautiful synth passages yeah, or yeah. even moments of kind of half-sung clean vocals. Yeah, and, and moments where you're sort of, everything will drop back and the bass will come out as a lead instrument in these really nice sections and riffs that feel like they should be in a power metal band or even a pop-punk band at times, but somehow they make it fit within this sort of maelstrom of otherwise like really aggressive death metal. Yeah, so so the band's made up of... Uh, Peter Tomac on uh, guitar, vocals, and he's like the main lyric writer, mm. and Thomas Korn on drums. Those are the two guys that came over from Appalling Spawn. Who's uh, like Appalling Spawn's album's really worth checking out as well because it's it's kind of very intelligently written death metal. It's not so far off the map as this one. Mm. It is more mm. traditional because uh, this out and then like the bands uh, rounded out by Andy Maresh on bass and Andra. 
Martinek on second guitars. But, like, this one... Like, I was amazed when I discovered this band from Prague. Like, mm, their mm. sound, they really sound like... That kind of thing, um, I think Orphan Land has spoken a lot about, about that sort of subgenre of oriental metal. Yeah, like, yeah. I thought they were a Middle Eastern band. Like, I thought they would be somewhat, like, more closely related to something like Bilocate, just because of the nature of what they've taken on board From here. the outset, I think, like, right at the beginning of the album, you've got these, like, very Eastern Egyptian-style melodies in it, which is really, really cool. And um, Peter has said that he was sort of fascinated with ancient Egypt at the time of writing this. Mm. And that's why a lot of that has ended up in there. And you can feel that influence in the synth passages as well. It's just not the kind of style of writing you're used to hearing. I mean, let, let alone in a death metal band, but in bands that do this sort of thing anyway. So it has that really unique feel to it. And then you just find that they're from the Czech Republic as well. Yeah, yeah. They just There's something very clever about it. It's turning so many of the kind of brutal death metal genre tropes on its head. Mm. Like the, the other really interesting um, thing about this band is like the way they've approached lyrics. Because like, Slam Death is famously <laughs> yeah. something where the lyrics are just nonsensical gore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, that kind of... Um, band naming convention of having two unrelated medical words that sounds a bit scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but whereas the, these guys have, you know, track names like A Land Where Sympathy Is Air To Become Shelter and Salvation, um, A Step Closer, An Old Man and a Child, although that one as a slam title I would see as a slight yep, red yep. flag. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately you read the lyrics and it's like a an interesting ph- philosophical idea of... Um, sort of this character who is both the old man and the child mm. and his kind of inability to for these two parts of his life to meet. Yeah, you've got a lot of stuff about spirituality and tolerance and even loving birds and things like that. It's it's really nice to feel a different just style of lyrics in something that's so dominated by just obscene gore and stupidity most of the time. <laughs> and a lot of time, some of the time that can be really fun, but it's nice to see people shake that up and do something different. Um, and particularly when you get to the end of the album, you have the real biggest departure from everything, which is this 12 minutes uh, walking in the gardens of Matt of just synth and bird sounds. <laughs> I, like, this is the one bit where I slightly like, I because the album is huge. It's like 72 yeah, yeah. minutes, 11 tracks. And it has this 10 minute synth, like we're coming out of an old man, and the child track 10, you mm. get this kind of like very gentle passage. And then um, the singer saying something like, um, May you always be blessed and your footsteps yeah. guided by light. And then it fades into this, like, um, yeah, this big synth thing with mm. birdsong. It does feel a little like someone got into like, the sample pack on Cubase and went mad. So it was, it was written by Peter's brother, and I, and I actually quite like it. Um, particularly, like, probably only when you listen to the full album. Mm. It's got a weird sense of catharsis to it after you've listened to the whole thing to just sort of end on this bit. And I, I mean, it. I didn't understand what was going on the first time I went through this, but the second time I was like, no, I actually think this works to round it off quite nicely because it is such a long album with an awful lot of stuff going on yeah, in it, yeah. just constantly zipping around between different things, uh, but still managing to be really memorable. There's loads of riffs in this that just when I think about it can like immediately come to your mind that are really, really catchy. Yeah, I did find this is an album that, unlike like a lot of the ones we'll be covering today, are like automatically you hear like two riffs and go, "This is brilliant." Mm. This is an album where I had to give it a lot of listens to digest yeah. what was happening because, like, on top of these kind of um, bits where it would break away into interesting melodies, it's fast as hell in other places. Mm. Like the drums mm. are properly blasting, and it has that kind of 
very in-your-face production of like the snare being way up in the mix. And when he goes yeah. for these kind of really fast like slam breakdowns, it is that kind of like you know snare going a couple of times a second. Like. Yeah, yeah. The drumming is crazily precise on this as well because the snare is so high and so clear. You can hear every single hit, and they're pretty much all on point. Which is yeah. I mean, you almost expect it from very technical death metal bands, but it's still amazing to hear it done well. Yeah, I do think as well, like, I quite like how this album really has that feeling of everyone's on the edge of their playing ability. Yeah. Like, the drumming feels like it's about to fall apart at yeah. any moment, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. all the fills just about come back in just on the beat. So. It, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just really... It has a feel of, like, a new band. It's, like, mm. got a real serious energy to it, which which is great. It's just such a shame that the band kind of fizzled out immediately after yeah. making this really interesting album. Well, because I'm l- looking them up, I keep seeing it was an announcement. I think last in 2009, they were saying, "Oh yeah, we're working on some new material." And they've said this several times. You're like, "Come on, release it! <laughs> we're really excited to see what else you could do." Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah, com- nothing so far. Completely, oh, like, and so we haven't mentioned much. But, like, the guitars on this album have a really kind of fantastic range of sounds to them, mm. like. A lot of really intelligent stuff's been done with adding like effects to them to make like so. There's a particularly great moment at the end of uh, Sadness and Strength where they affect one of the guitars to make it sound like a sitar or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. It's got this and do this kind of it, the song. The whole eight minute track builds up to this really mm. epic ending and essentially has what sounds like a sitar solo. Yeah, but there's no other credited musician, so it's got to be something they've done with a guitar pedal, yeah, or something. But yeah, no, it's, and it really fits into the different melodies that they're using. Um, and yeah, it all comes together really nicely on the use of what, what yeah what sounds like a different instrument, but probably isn't. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much because I've seen I've seen there's a couple of videos out there of not terrible quality of them playing live. And this is one of these bands who must be dancing on pedals so much because yeah. guitars come in and out from like a completely clean tone into a suddenly ex- very extreme tone, mm. and then having that cool thing where they'll mix like they have one guitar doing like a very melodic uh, lead tone, and then just super heavy guitar will cut in over the yeah, top yeah. and then be built up by this drumming that will move from something quite gentle into your sudden, like, pinging snare, Ridiculous brutal death blast yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's just very ever-changing. And it's mm. a really hard album to get a hold on, but it's kind of brilliant when you do. You yeah, just need yeah. to, I know, put a lot of time in. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one that requires quite a lot of listening to, but it's really rewarding once you sort of get what it's about. And it's just, it's got just a lot of different sort of acoustic layers to it. Like, mm. the cymbals are, like, because of how the drums have been mixed, they appear almost to sit a little bit apart. And the way they've been played in a lot of the areas where it gets a bit sort of um, less aggressive, it adds a really nice sort of, like, ethereal texture to what you're listening to. And exactly the same thing with the keyboards when they come in and the synths. It just gives it this very different feeling. Mm. And then you'll go straight back into this sort of really aggressive chugging riff and it will feel completely different. And these layers will sort of drop in and out, which... Gives the album a really nice progression, even over individual songs. Yeah, like particularly track three, uh, you pointed out, bringer of the Eleventhus flame yeah. is just ever moving. Like mm. it starts out extremely brutal, then has very, very melodic, clean passages, and then eventually, like, sort of rounds out to I think the first introduction on the album of a really clean vocal kind of yeah. melody, bringing the song to a close, and it's just. None of it's predictable. These are n- yeah, none yeah. of these changes are something you'd usually see in a band like this. 
Yeah, um, I, I think that song's a great way to experience sort of most of the elements that you get in this album. It's probably not the best first one to listen to because it will take quite a while to process exactly what's happening. Um, but it's, it's a really nice example of all of those different elements coming together and how they switch between them. And it is a little jarring, but that's almost part of it. Yeah. At least I found when I was listening to it, and then you start to get used to that way of doing it, and then it begins to feel really natural. Yeah, I, th- I think the album is best experienced as a whole, although mm. I'd like, argue that for most albums. Yeah. But just the way it begins, the first track, Land Where Sympathy Is Air, has this perfect thing of starting off like a couple of seconds of properly death metal, yeah. and then that's like kind of gives way to just one guitar playing a very Egyptian melody, yeah. and then back into death metal, yeah, and yeah. this pattern sort of repeats for a bit. It's like, that's essentially what you're going to get with yes, this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only real criticisms I'd have of this, and I think the band are sort of aware of this themselves, is Peter's vocals are a bit one note, like especially his death yeah, metal vocals yeah. are. He's got his noise. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's no and there's no kind of clarity to the lyrics, and the lyrics are really well written and interesting. Mm, so it's mm. kind of a, a shame they're almost hidden behind that. And like his clean vocals could be put up in the mix a bit. They would seem to disappear down a little. I think this is something else we were talking about in regards to the drums is that slam drummers should have two snare drums. It's very common for a lot of drummers to have two snare drums. And, you know, you can have this sort of really tight high snare drum, which you use for your blast beats because it's really precise. You can hear everything. And then you can have a, a sort of looser, larger snare drum, which will just make your normal sort of grooves sound much better and much bigger because sometimes that really tight snare drum doesn't work when you're doing a much slower beat. Especially with a band like this who are constantly shifting pace. There yeah, is bits yeah. where they really want to go for a total like melodic kind of rock sound in places yeah, and because yeah. they're locked into this one sound it's melodic rock, but with like the most brutal death kit in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you're not getting a blast beat, you're just getting a duck every now and then, yeah. which, which cuts out immediately because of how tight the snare's tuned. Yeah, which is slightly odd. But again, like most of these criticisms, I can totally forgive, because this is essentially a debut album for yeah. a band. And it's why it's so frustrating. This is just this this beautiful creation. Because I, I don't have a comparative album. You say, like, no. it's got elements that sound a little bit like Nile, it's got elements that sound yeah. a bit like... Uh, Orphan Land or um, or like just standard slam, but I've never seen it com- combined in this kind of package. No, no, there's yeah, there's not really anything you can directly compare it to. There's only sections you can draw out because it has a lot. Like actually, the other kind of slam trope I quite like that this has is the guitar never noodles. It's never yes because it's not a genre that really goes in for guitar solos, and mm. there isn't any solos on this album. All the lead guitar are these beautiful like tiny passages of melody and they're all really restrained and just used to utter perfection like you look at a song like to give just has like this kind of repeating pre-chorus melody that is so memorable and catchy because in terms of sort of feel particularly with the lyrics being about you know spirituality and tolerance and things like that some of the stuff that the feel of it reminds me of a little bit is when we talked about cynic Mm. um, and bands like that where you've got a little bit more of like a new age feel coming into it and it just reminds me a little bit of that, but obviously technical death metal has a problem with noodling sometimes, <laughs> yeah. where it just goes off on a tangent where you're like, you're just showing off at this point. But it, th- there's none of that here, which is crazy for such a long album, which goes through so many motions. Yeah. yeah, it's a real strength. It does feel like as well, because a lot of bands in this genre will release albums that are like 30 minutes long. As much as band have one album... It is a 75-minute yeah. slab of very fast, for the most part, music. And yeah. it, 
like this could have been two different releases like it could Definitely. have been free even like the way a lot of these bands put out music so it does feel like yeah we've only got one but if you add that to the appalling spawn catalog yeah. as well you've got the best part of two hours of brilliant death metal considering <laughs> that you get a lot of slam bands who release 17 minute EPs and call them albums then this is pretty good <laughs> it's like guttural slug you're referencing yeah. in particular pretty much yeah like it a lot but it's it's not really an album guys I think as well, uh, I wanted to say, because we've been slightly rude about slam metal, just to prove I do enjoy it to some extent, last year there's two utterly brilliant slam releases that were kind of both just shy of like my end of year list. Mm. Um, Gut Slits, um, oh, what was it called? Amphitheatre, as a slight <laughs> pun. Brilliant album cover, absolutely uh, brilliant yeah. slam album. I think they're from India. Oh, but cool. if you're into that kind of more traditional style, this is just doing it to perfection. And another really fun, like, easy-to-digest listen is the new Standard Elite label, Scafism 4-Way Split, which is four slam bands doing about three tracks each, and it's absolutely excellent. And it hits all the standard slam tropes. Ridiculous gore lyrics, like, really pingy snare drum. Everything is just insane, gurgling death metal, where the drums are, like, turned up to 11 and you can barely hear the riffs. (laughs) Like, it's just... It's completely the tropes of the genre, but if you like that genre, yeah, it is, yeah, spot on. And it's done really well. I mean, the other slam band that I'd go to would be Defeated Sanity. Oh, yeah, a yeah. really cool example of fantastic drumming as well. Um, but again, none of these bands really sound like Lacathia like of Flame. No, no, <laughs> they, they are completely, completely apart from that. But yeah, I just highly recommend checking out this album because it just sits there as a completely unique death metal yeah, release. yeah. And, yeah, you won't find a copy of this or the Appalling Spawn album for Love Nor Money. They seem yeah. to have both gone completely out of print, which is yeah. a shame. And it's, it is still one that's, you know, definitely worth giving time to. It's going to take quite a few listens to really get what's going on here, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's like, do give it, like, if you give it five listens, that's where you'll really yeah. get it and get some reward. Because there's some other albums we'll talk about today where you'll listen to one riff and you go, yup, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so for, from this, we thought we'd go for one of the slightly shorter songs. This one's more traditional structure, but has a really good example of like the melody meets blasting death metal insanity. Mm. This is from the middle of the album. This is the track to give.
The next album we're covering is um, by the band Panzer Christ. Um, these guys, far more traditional death metal. These guys have been around since uh, 1993. They're a band from Denmark. The, the album we're going to cover from theirs is their fourth album, Room Service, from 2003, released on Mighty Music. Panzer Christ are kind of it, and they've sort of got an interesting history because they're a band who been around in death metal with a really kind of revolving door lineup. But more importantly than that, like, each of their albums is really unique sounding. They do change the sound up, a, like, a lot between albums. I'd say Room Service is their most, like, focused death metal album of the lot. It's mm. the most purely death metal sounding. But, like, it is so, not so much in the brutal and more in the ultra groovy catchy memorable yeah, riffs yeah. and so how do you get on with this one rob uh, i love this one um it's that sort of straightforward crushing death metal which like reminds me quite a lot and the groove you're talking about um reminds me of this of bolt thrower like it's got that particular thing to it where they just know how to write a heavy catchy groovy riff um but they're more willing to go a bit faster throw in some blast beats but it's also got that all-encompassing sound to it. It's just this giant wall of noise. Yeah, um, I think that's what separates this album from because I've heard all seven of their albums, and this what stands like makes Room Service head and shoulders above the rest. Mm. The guitar sound, the drum sound, the way yeah. the vocals are recorded are just huge. Everything is this crushing wall of riffs. Yeah, yeah, everything has so much weight to it. And particularly when you get to the fast bits, it just makes them sound so intense. You know, when you have this fast kick drum either over something that's slow, it just every hit is just pummeling you. And it, yeah, that's fantastic for this kind of death metal. So for like the main kind of meat of this album, um, the, the drummer, Reno Killerich, who's actually just a guest on this album. He's, he, I think he left the band at the point of recording, mm. although he's also a guest on the follow-up album, so <laughs> no idea what was going on there. But like, his double kicks are just front and centre throughout. Yeah. And his, like, his kick pedal work is so quick and precise for this entire album. Like It's definitely triggered, but they make the triggered drum sound work really well. Yeah, it here. sounds great. And even on your slower tracks, like At The Grave, where it's sort of this more uh, slower, more foreboding, heavy riff, you've still got these like pounding kicks beneath it, which give the whole thing this amazing sense of momentum throughout it, which is something that the whole album has. It's a fairly short album, and like right through the whole thing, it's just got this driving sense to it, which is right up and in your face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a really concise album. It's uh, just 10 tracks, 40 minutes. Mm. As you get into a bit about the band, so um, Panzer Christ has always been um, uh, the vehicle of uh, Michael... N. Dolvinson, who goes by the pseudonym the Panzer General, and he throughout their career has played all sorts of stuff. He's done yeah. like guitar, this album is bass and keyboards. On the really early stuff, he was the drummer. Yeah, he's a drummer at the beginning. Yeah, and he's just he's like I think the main songwriter for all of this. Yeah, and then the rest of the lineups um, filled out by Bo Summers on vocals, who's far more famously known for being in Ill Disposed, who mm. are. I don't get so much. Ill Disposer, like, a much more melodic, kind of, almost radio-friendly version of this kind of death metal. Yeah, yeah. And, but his vocals are great. Um, and then you've got uh, Rasmus Heinrichsen on rhythm guitar, and he's kind of stays with the band for quite a while after this. And then uh, Frederick O'Carroll on lead guitar, who this appears to be the only album he's ever been on. 
of yeah, any yeah, band. That's all I could find as well on Metal Archives. Which is, yeah, it's kind of amazing to have this like single set of 40 minutes be the only thing you've ever done. Especially because another, like, a major part of this album is the drum performance is really front and centre. Mm. Drum performance, huge riffs. And then brilliantly written guitar solos. Yeah, this yeah. guy is not, like, he's not the most technical shredder in the world. But he can shred, and he writes really memorable shredding. Yeah, like, yeah. Like when this guy hits a bend, it sounds incredible. Like I, I don't know. This is just one of those albums where I absolutely love and remember all the guitar solos. Mm. And there's such an art to that as well, because none of these songs are your huge prog epics where you've got these giant sprawling solos. It's this punchy death metal track which has a fairly short, self-contained solo in it, which somehow manages to like fill its purpose exactly, and that's really hard to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> the other thing, I don't know if you spotted this, do you notice the ridiculous lyrical trope of this album? Oh, it's the thing where it's like um, war panzer at the end of every song. <laughs> so you... every song starts with them shouting the song title yeah, yeah. and ends with the, the lyrics, Death Forever Panzer. Ugh. No idea why they did this. Again, this album is one of those ones that, on paper, this shouldn't work. Yeah, it's yeah. so stupid, but... Just every song ending in a different variation of the yeah, Death yeah. Forever Panzer chant. It just works. It's that, I think it's that Manowar effect that we talked about ages ago where something really silly, if it's done right and made to sound really good, you sort of get on board with it and you're like, yeah, that's cool, why not? Yeah, and like, the thing is, the lyrics of this aren't like mind-blowing about, but they're quite fun. Like, Bo has an interesting mm. kind of vocal approach. He's got a very low like bellow of a yeah. vocal song but his lyrics are really audible like you mm. can hear what he's mm. saying and he has a secondary he's one of those vocalists who seems to have just learned two completely different screaming yeah. techniques yeah. he's got his one low vocal that sounds pretty similar the whole time and then this like super high more black metal-y like throat shredding scream yeah. as well but even that variation over such a short album is really cool um, I don't know why it is such a thing for a metal vocalist just to have two noises but it's nice to have that in the different moments where a higher screen works a bit better. Uh, but I, I love his sort of like super deep, or it almost just sounds like someone with a like ridiculously deep voice just talking. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and I really like that. It works really well for something like this. Like particularly, you know, kind of a great example of the kind of vocal trade-off is in the second like track, the first like proper song on the album, Creature. Um, it's all his low vocal throughout mm. until like a guitar solo towards the end. And then he just comes in with this really high squealing like black metal vocal and then a little bit of like slightly cheesy horror movie keyboards are added yeah, to yeah. what is otherwise like a punishing death metal assault. And then it goes a bit black metal-y. Yeah, I was going to talk about the keys actually, uh, which I think work really well when they're brought in in the few mm. months there on this album. Um, it gives it this little extra thing, which is a little bit more atmospheric and makes some moments feel a little bit more epic. But it's not all in your face. It's fairly subtle and gives it this sort of foreboding air, particularly on like At the Grave, where you've got this sort of slower, heavier, more foreboding riffs. This little addition of keyboards just makes everything a little bit more sinister. And I really liked that. It was just that little extra layer. Yeah, no, agreed. Like... It's, it definitely adds an edge to this, because this album does have a degree of atmosphere. Mm. Interestingly, after this album, that seems to be the takeaway thing from this album. The, they, the next album, Battalion Beast, they lean more towards the black metal. There's more, mm. more and more keyboards, more and more of the higher vocals, and at a step back from so many guitar solos, it's like, 
yeah. it's a much more atmospheric album. Like the final track on the next album is like a nine minute long oh, epic, yeah. which is a lot slower and a lot more keyboard driven. And they seem to have continued that path for the rest of their career. It's kind of a shame because I feel they lost something with getting away from the super memorable riffing. Yeah, yeah. Because that is, at the heart of this album, it is brilliantly memorable riffing. Because it will go, like, most of the songs have structures where they go from really catchy riff into super fast, like, kick drum snare going really quickly, guitars pick so quickly you can barely tell what's happening, <laughs> back into really catchy riff and then yeah, yeah. brilliant lead melody. And then, like, memorable vocals over all of that, which just keeps, I don't know... It makes every song on this album super memorable. Yeah, which for a yeah. heavy death metal album is a challenge. Yeah, yeah, they, and and just the way that they've done the sound gives every single bit exactly the impact you expect from it. When I think of a death metal guitar tone, this is the sort of thing that I want. Like mm. you just you could hit one note and all the band would sort of like hit a note as well, and it would just feel giant. And so when you add that to really well written riffs, it just makes everything sound perfect. Yeah, this album is truly crushing, and it and it kind of works with the whole ridiculous Panzer Christ theme of yeah. um, of tanks. Like the front cover <laughs> is a tank driving through a hotel room. Yeah, it well, room it, service. Well, and and, and the, the song room service is great. It's about a minute long, and it just starts off with someone knocking at the door, and then Bo like sort of death growling room service, and, <laughs> and, and I love that. And it's just this like, one minute of just pure death metal, and then it's over, and then you just keep going. I like room service as, as well. Like this one, like after this silly intro, it's just one minute of the fastest thing I think the band's ever written. Yep, yep. The whole thing's at like 280 BPM, yeah, and just yeah. a solid blast beat over this. Like it's still kind of a catchy riff, even at that pace. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's still good, and because you know it's only a minute long, you think. Like, that's quite funny. That's also pretty good. And then you're just on to the next song and it's already passed you by. Exactly, exactly. The other thing we really have to mention is there is an, in the run time of the album, there's an absolutely brilliant cover uh, mm. of um, Metal Church by Metal Church. Yeah. Brilliant kind of proto thrash song in its day. These guys have just turned it up to 11, like death metalified yep. it. Yep. They put double, ridiculously fast double kicks on. But they drop in the perfect way because it starts, I mean, if you know the song, it's quite a kind of metal classic mm. these days and well worth hearing the original. But they start with the guitars coming in in exactly the same way. They even have the, like, evil laughing yeah, over the top, yeah. which Bo is just taking down, like, however many octaves. But then the drums are still slow and then the chugging riff comes in and then the kick drums hit and it's like, oh, we've like tripled the pace of the original. It's it's where the guitar picking and the kick drums are just going at this ridiculously frenzied pace, but it doesn't sound stupid. It just sounds like that riff, but just on steroids. (laughs) And and because of the sound they've got, it's just, yeah, it's overwhelming to listen to that bit, but it's really good. It's one of those things, like, considering how much of a classic the original is, I genuinely think this cover surpasses it. Yeah, yeah. I know a controversial opinion, but I love it being this heavy. There's, yeah, there's just an impact to it, and it's so good. Uh, yeah, and the build-up, you're right, is just so great, because you think, oh, right, oh, you're covering Metal Church. It's like, holy fuck, what have you done? <laughs> and But, like... Aside from the speed, this album has a lot of great melodies to it. Um, mm. For mention, like Frederick's guitar solos. Like if you get to like track uh, track Evil towards the end, it has this beautiful trade off solo. Um, like Suicide track four has this sort of annoyingly something they can never reproduce live because Frederick yeah. did all of it. But it's kind of like lick trade off solo where it's like four solos kind of thrown left and right 
and the, the beautiful melodies. Like, so, like, inside this really hefty package, you've yeah, still got yeah. all this... And, like, uh, Red River, actually, particularly ends in a fade-out of, like, just one of the coolest guitar solos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an amazingly catchy album on sort of all fronts. Mm. Uh, you will find yourself humming along to the solos and then remembering the riffs. Um, and it's so sort of immediately gratifying. You listen to it and you're like, yeah, that is exactly what I want out of this. Um and, you know, there's albums which take a long time to get into, which are really great. But there's something to be said for something which is just, like, yeah, that's exactly what this should sound like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the like the other thing I want to get at is, like, the lyrics, they are really silly, but I find them so memorable. Like, yeah. lines, like, I think it's in Death Approaches with the, uh, but to be immortal, first you have to die. Is this, like, repeating mantra? And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, and it's kind of fun, you know. <laughs> there's, there's a sense of fun in this whole album, despite the fact of how heavy it is. It's just kind of entertaining. Or is it in Lies, uh, the track three, has, has the, like, it's like a repeating set of lines of, uh, my son, go get daddy's gun, we're going to make a call for hell. And <laughs> yes, it's like, yeah. that's just really cool over this supremely catchy riff. But yeah. there's still these pounding like absolute like just crushing force of drums mm. i feel this album most lives up to the kind of panzer christ moniker of you know being tank based destruction tanks crushing things yeah and um, and just to allay fears they are not nazis as plenty yes they, they yeah. don't like christ either <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's a real shame that we all have to get worried about that with bands these days but Fortunately, you're safe with Yeah, Panzer, Panzer Christ, they just really like tanks. Yeah, yeah. And the Panzer was undeniably a well-designed tank. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and to prove a point, on their previous album, Soul Collector, they have, like, the Saving Private Ryan quotes of, um, in one of the songs of the Don't Shoot, Let Them Burn, uh, were yeah, from the, yeah. the beach invasion. So, it, they're, they're cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, uh, it's, it's important to be said when you're coming across new bands. Yeah, yeah. And um, I would want to recommend as well, so I've kind of tailed off on my later career, mm. like I'm not so fond of the last two albums, but Room Service is absolutely brilliant, and if you go for the CD version, you can get a collection of it and the previous album, Soul Collector. Soul Collector is a much more raw, brutal album, like mm. the solos are well stripped back, the songs are shorter, fast, maybe not faster, but more at high pace throughout. Yeah, yeah. That's a really impressive album. Um, the second album, Outpost, is also super melodic and fun. Like, yeah, right. it's got even more of the keyboards. That's really worth a listen. And Battalion Beast, the follow-up to this, has got a lot of really good elements from this mixed with more atmosphere. All four of those, I'd say, well worth a listen. Mm. And also, something kind of really connected to them. And I think almost... Part of the band, like, all these guys have left the band. So both Reno and Bo, the vocalist, are in the band At The Grave, um, which... Oh, yeah, yeah. With, without Michael, the Panzer General, which seems like a throwback to this yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't feature Frederick, so they don't get the amazing oh, solos. Yeah, yeah. But it's got a lot of the other elements that make this great. Uh, yeah, that, the they've only got the one album, but At The Grave are really worth listening to. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I, I think that basically covers it for Bands of Christ. Like, 
if you like catchy death metal, give this album a go. If you like, you want to hear Bolt Thrower but with more blast beats, basically. Yeah, yeah, Bolt Thrower, more blast beats, and just that little bit of keyboards and some little extra stuff added in. And if you're just a fan of good metal guitar tones or great metal, great death metal covers of other sort of proto <laughs> yeah. metal songs, you've got to give this a listen. Yeah, so, I mean, we pretty much could have picked any track off this album, but yeah. we're going to go for one from Towards the Centre, which has just got a really hefty kind of set of riffs to it. One of the points, like the rarer points where they actually properly slow things down, yeah. this is At the Grave.
Right, so the next band we're covering, um, kind of a similar band to Panzer Christ in a lot of ways, but I think these, these guys are more of a death metal institution, and particularly, uh, more so than any other band we're covering today, mind-blowing they're not more famous. Mm. This is Vomitory from Sweden. Um, they're formed in 1989 and unfortunately split up in 2013, and we're going to cover their fifth of eight albums, Primal Massacre from 2004, released on Metal Blade Records. This band, um, I think the kind of description most sums them up, Lord K of the Project Hate, Torture Division, God Among Insects, etc., described them be, like no band being more death metal than Vomitory. Yeah, Vomitory yeah, have done eight so. albums of undeniably death metal. Yeah. Like, there isn't a second of any of those albums that isn't pure death metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the brilliant thing about them is every single album sounds different. They, they slightly reinvent their sound every single time mm. which made particularly choosing an album of theirs to cover really difficult again this is a band you were kind of new to what did you reckon yes yeah. uh, this album made me remember why i love just sort of like straightforward in your face death metal um in a, in a similar way to panzer christ but this is a different album it's less of the sort of groove oriented stuff than panzer christ and it just makes me think of back when you're first discovering bands like Morbid Angel or Death or something and you're like, ah, oh, right, okay, right, I get the idea of what this is. Listening to this makes you think about all the sort of standard death metal is. Um, it's got a really nice combination of some really fast sections, some like much catchier sections, some nice sort of lead bits, your sort of super low vocals, and just the whole production makes it sound slightly evil, mm. um, which I really like from death metal. Going all the way back to listening to when you first listen to Slayer and you think, ah, oh, this sounds a bit evil. It's got that feel to it. I, I, I would say that's a brilliant comparison. Like, I really get this album just feels like. Someone took Rain in Blood and did the death metal version of it. Yeah, it's yeah. ten tracks. It's just over half an hour long, and it is all this. Everything's in your face. There is no, there is no room for melodic breaks. Like I think there's one guitar solo on the whole album. It's, yeah, yeah. It is all just fast, heavy, evil sounding riffing. And then every, every now and then it will sort of slow down to this more mid paced bit where it does the Slayer thing of sounding evil for a bit before ramping it back up into your blast beats, which I really like. Like the mix between those just helps give it a bit more definition as you're going through it rather than just being sort of like balls to the walls for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the core of Vomitory has always been Eric Runquist and bass and vocals and Tobias Gustafsson on drums. Um, a lot of these guys both have a pretty kind of full-on history with a lot of stuff we're, we're really into like as aforementioned Lord K mm. Tobias is in God Among Insects was briefly in the Project Hate for Bleeding the New Apocalypse oh, yeah. he's the drum of Torture Division Eric is the vocalist for Cadaver Cult and has also um, done some guest vocals of Project Hate and if you like Vomitry the two of them went on to form Cut Up who are like more Vomitry yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I don't rate the cut-up albums quite as highly as the eight uh, vomitory albums, which is yeah. a shame. But yeah, then the lineups um, rounded out by Tobias's brother Urban and Ulf uh, Delgren as the the other two guitarists. Um, the way this album sits in their catalogue is quite interesting because a lot of their earlier albums are more kind of catchy, groove orientated, like particularly. Um, Redemption, their second album, is a masterpiece. Mm. It is so, so memorable and catchy. This is them going more heavy. And their catalogue sort of gets heavier and heavier as it goes on. <laughs> like, 
Eric's vocals seem to somehow get lower album to album. <laughs> and when you hear this, you'll be amazed how low they drop for like Carnage Euphoria, mm. uh, their second to last one. Because his vocal performance on this is spectacular. I thought they were already pretty super low for this album as well. It's amazing that you can get deeper than that. But it, yeah, it's that sort of classic death metal attack, which I really, really like. Um, and yeah, it just makes you think back to all those death metal bands you listened to it the first time. So, like, Tobias has enough, like, he, he, much like sort of Bo we were talking about before, really clear vocals. Like, you can yeah. get the lyrics from what he's yeah. doing. Also, when he goes for a long scream, he can hold a note for, like, an unfathomably long yeah, time. Yeah. Like, he, he's got to stand up there as one of the best death metal vocalists. Like, mm. this guy is a beast. And then there's just some insanely catchy death metal bits as well. I, I pull out Demon's Divine is one of the moments where it's just got this really catchy chorus of your sort of fast-picked riff. And then, and, you, and again, you can hear exactly what he's saying in the chorus, which means you can sing along to it, which is great for death metal. Exactly, um, exactly. It, but but there's enough, like, well-written moments where, yeah, that's really catchy and you can tell exactly what's happening. Because even with the, like, slightly murky dark production, you can still pick out pretty much everything that's being played, even when you've got really fast moments. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, the real standout performance on this album has to be Tobias, the drummer. Like, his his playing on this is mm. amazing. Like, it's so groove-infused. He comes up with perfect beats for every riff. And then when he wants to blast, the sound yeah. of his blast beats... I, is beautiful. Such a clear snare drum sound. Like from the start of the album as well, because when it opens up with Final Massacre, you go straight into this blast beat. Um, and yeah, it sounds great. Mm. Because I mean, I think well, we, there's lots of different ways that blast beats. Like if you got the drums too high, it can knock other stuff out of it. But this is just put at the perfect level where it just adds ramps up the intensity when you're listening to it, and it's great. Because I think the the reason I chose this album over all the others is this has my favorite mix of the lot. Because there is some later on where the drums slightly drown things or yeah. the guitars are almost too distorted. This has the perfect level of the riffs still really clear and memorable, but there's still got enough distortion. They sound heavy as all yeah, hell. Yeah. And the drum sound on this album is beautiful. Like that snare, I love the snare drum sound on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a really nice balance which allows you to do the more slower, mid paced sections that they sort of sprinkle in, and yet still is clear enough that you can really tell what it's doing on a blast beat. Which yeah. is a hard balance to strike, but that allows them to switch between these moments, which without ever getting to the point where the snare doesn't feel like it suits that groove. Yeah, definitely. Unlike the previous two bands, there's not much going on lyrically in this album. I find it's very classic, kind of slightly gore and violence obsessed death yeah, metal. Yeah, and, pretty standard affair. Although song titles are really good. Like, <laughs> my particular favourite is track two, Gore Apocalypse. Gore Apocalypse <laughs> is a great one, yeah. Uh, and Stray Bullet Kill as well, which yeah, is a really good yeah, song yeah. title. But, um, yeah, but that, I feel that just it fits with the imagery. It's exactly the imagery you'd expect with this kind of, like, yeah. unrefined, brutal, in-your-face death metal. A particular shout-out I want to give to the song Gore Apocalypse because it has one of my favourite kind of breakdowns coming back into a riff in any yeah. death metal song ever. The song is like your standard death metal thing for the first two minutes. And then everything cuts away to just the guitar and the guitar starts doing this 
basically down tuned Slayer riff. It's the yeah, most Slayer yeah. sounding riff ever. But then, like, this builds up again and it comes with this really fast drum beat, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then the drum beat goes double time. Like, yeah. it, you, and it's just that build to, like, you're like, oh god, now it's the mosh part. Oh no, 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 it's really the mosh part yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some great moments. I think it's, um, oh, I'm sorry to remember the name of the song. Um, but there's one song, there's a few moments as well where it just goes down into your sort of straight on chugging. But mm. they just do it right and then bring it back into a, like, um, a faster, more interesting riff. And yeah, a lot of bands will go down into just a chug for a breakdown and it can get boring at times. But Vomitry have done it. For exactly the right amount of time, uh, and it just sounds heavy and evil. A lot of the time, I think the chugs lose that evil sound, but vomitry still get that. Yeah, I think that that's one of the the many reasons. A lot, like a lot of their arms actually have this and should be commended for it. Is they keep the atmosphere consistent throughout. Yeah. yeah. And again, they they sort of have like I don't know if you have this so much, but I find with Bolt Thrower. I'll put on an album for like four songs. I'm like, oh, that's good. I get this. Like, yeah, I, yeah. And it's not a criticism. It's just because they've got voluntary have their formula for an album, and they pretty much will do you know seven to ten songs in that formula. Yeah, yeah. And they sound amazing, but often I'm just like, nah, twenty minutes of that is great. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about this is that it is so short. So you just put it on, blast through it, and then you've you've what like half an hour down. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that length really fits an album like this. Because the thing is, they their experimentation comes with the changes they make to the sound album to album. Yeah, yeah. But, the, the, yeah, that is enough of a step out outside. Like, I'm glad that we get bands like this who are just pure death metal. I, I'm gutted. Um, I'll never get to see them live. It, I think it makes more of an impact when you have that 30-minute album with no chaff on it. Yeah, because yeah. you, you listen back to it like, yeah, like every song on this is great. None of these riffs feel like they're out of place. They all serve something in the album itself. But yeah, like if you're a death metal fan and haven't heard of Vomitry, you need to rectify that. They yeah. they are they should be one of the staple canon, like you know your Bolt Throwers or Cannibal Corpses. Yeah, I really yeah. think they are up there as one of the true greats, and obviously. They formed in 89. Their first album didn't come out until like 96. They were well behind the curve. But they're just so consistent. Their their eight album span is just perfect. Mm. Proper death metal greatness. And they don't really have a misstep in it. Maybe the final album, Opus Mortis, is a bit a bit too much retreading Carnage Euphoria. But yeah. that's about my only issue with their discography. Like, yeah, I highly recommend... Personally, I'd say start points are Carnage Euphoria, if you want really brutal stuff. Mm. Primal Massacre, if you want that kind of Slayer sound. And if you like your death metal groovy and catchy, go for the second album, Redemption. But pretty much you can't go wrong with any of them. Nice. Alright, so from this, we're going to go for, I think, Rob's favourite track from this. Yeah, so we'll go with Demons Do That.
So the, the final band we're going to get into in this kind of countdown of death metal gems, the last one to come out of this list, this is uh, Dam or Dam with an umlaut over the air, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, yeah. um, with their second album, Difference Engine, released in 2007 on Candlelight Records. The the band, if you want to check them out now, are now called Damin, Dam with I am on the end, and yeah. seem to have like reformed and kicked off again after a kind of period of silence. So this band are, um, they kind of death, like, blackened death metal, but taken to a very strange place. Like, again, much like, uh, like Athea was talking about earlier, this is a band I don't have an obvious comparison. They seem to have done something truly original. Yeah, I think the sort of blackened death metal is probably the best way of describing it. Uh, I've just sort of written down, it's catchy, it's brutal, it's melodic, and it's atmospheric. It manages to include all of those things in their different aspects, but there isn't a direct analogue for the sort of thing they've done with this album. So, like, this is this is an album I got into back in, like, this kind of summarises it for me, like, 
I got into them back in 2007 when Assam came out because I saw a review in Terrorizer magazine describing them. I think the phrase was something like too weird for their own good. And I was like, <laughs> fuck it, I'm buying that album. Yeah, like, yeah. And I do not agree in the slightest. This is a man who found a very interesting niche in extreme metal of... I don't even know quite what it is they're doing so differently, but it, it's taking elements of a lot of different genres... But mixing them, not even riff to riff, but like inside riffs, you'll get yeah. like a very black metal drum pattern with a more traditional death metal guitar pattern, and then some like totally left field vocals. Yeah, I think that sums it up really nicely. It's like you've got sections where you have these melodic guitars which feel like it's almost carcass but with a bit of emperor thrown in, and then at the same time, you've got a drum passage which feels like it's out of a black metal song. And it feels as if the riffs are written as a combination of those genres rather than just mixing the two together. The whole thing is a mix of these different influences and it creates something really, really unique. And there's bits which you can say, oh, that sort of reminds me of Carcass or something like that. But then the whole thing just gives you a completely distinct feel from any other band I could care to name. Yeah, yeah, completely. So the band is mainly the project of Nathaniel Underwood, who is the bass player and, like, I think backing vocalists as well on the current Akakokka album. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if he's still in the band. They seem to be touring with a different bass player. Or uh, it's probably just him trying to juggle two bands at once. Because, mm. so, as I say, Damon have finally kicked back up again. Because yeah. at this point, they did these two really interesting albums. And then kind of went quiet for quite a few years, as far as I can tell. I mean, this was the point. This came out 2007. Social yeah. media wasn't such a thing. Yeah, you could trap yeah. bands quite easily <laughs> at that point. But yeah, I've never managed to catch them live, despite that. Um, and then the the lineups rounded out by Daniel Rumble on bass and James Gomez Alorano on drums. And just the, all the performances of them are spectacular. Yeah, yeah. And sort of deceitfully so as well, like deceptively, you listen to it and you think, oh yeah, like that's a sort of like really solid sort of black indie death metal song. And you really listen to it, you're like fuck those drums are really intense and a lot of those riffs sound horrible to play and then the transitions between them is crazy and you don't realize it at first it takes you a little bit of time to really hear how masterful all the playing on here is yeah the song structures are so immensely complex but contained there's there's not yeah. a song on this album that exceeds six minutes mm. but there's so many riffs and like the song structures are completely alien they they they, yeah, they don't yeah. follow any kind of verse chorus format like and then like nathaniel's vocal delivery and lyric writing is also just completely set to wrong foot you as far as i can yeah. tell uh, i absolutely love his vocals it's, there's a huge range of these sort of like frenzied high shrieks which sort of sounds like carcass but more um, and just keeps going in that direction to your more brutal death growls to sort of distorted yelling and your more hardcore style and then like your sort of like clean tortured vocals and it's just this huge range but every single bit of it feels intense like there is purpose behind everything and it really feels like every single bit means it which you can sometimes get lost in your sort of super guttural deep vocals you miss some of that aggression mm. that you fully get across in something like this and from yeah the first track difference engine you have that aggression and that sort of intensity in the vocals and i love that it makes it yeah it's so hard not to pay attention to it for like for all the progressive elements like contained here as well 
this album has a really consistent atmosphere. Yeah. It is a very unsettling listen. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's quite a lot of like nice little bits of discordance in the riffs like nothing that's really going to set you on edge but enough to just make you go that doesn't sound quite right and yeah yeah it, it, it's just I really like the listening experience of it because it just has like kind of slightly apocalyptic nature to yeah. it you just, it just has a real weight of impending doom and like for a lot of Nathaniel's vocal performance you can hear the lyrics and the lyrics really mm. have this like dystopian end of the world feel which fits so perfectly with this ever lurching kind of song structures which will move between like super fast like tremolo picking black metal riffs to weird like kind of quite angular tapping riffs yeah to to, to these like like mid-paced discordant riffs or slightly discordant uh, which are just really catchy and then like every well the final track is very different but yeah then it will have slower moments as well um yeah, you'll probably want to get into this more, but um, Jamie, the drummer's performance on this is spectacular. Fantastic, yeah. Um, if you're talking about drums, you have to talk about on A Wound That Never Heals, there is a blast beat on a China symbol which will blow you away. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. You, listen, you listen to it and like you're getting into the album and you're starting to digest exactly what they're doing. You get to this track and then out of nowhere you get this blast beat on a China symbol which is so intense and makes it so heavy it, it is just like the collapsing star of a song yeah, it is like, yeah. it's just this inescapable wall of noise yeah with the like this really aggressive riff underneath it as well and it's like there's no room for vocals on something like this it just encompasses it in this wall of snare and china um yeah, I love it. It's it's great to listen to something and hear that moment and go, that is more intense than I was expecting it to be with a death metal record. Also, it comes out of probably the most melodic riff of the album yep. moves straight yep. into this, which, which kind of gets into the point we're getting out of like the the mind bending structures mm. of these songs. Like, and it's nothing completely alien. It's not something like Virus where you're just like, oh, this is completely new genre. Yeah, it all feels like. You're like, oh no, I kind of know what this is. And then it yeah. doesn't do what you expect <laughs> next. It's, yeah. It just has a brilliant way of slightly wrong-footing you at all mm-hmm. times, which perfectly fits this unsettling air the whole thing has. Yeah, and add to that just some extreme songwriting ability as well as the playing ability. I really struggle to pick any riff off this that I don't think is great. Mm. There are so many good riffs, and every time I listen to it going through a song, I'm like, now this is the best riff on the album. And then it gets this, nah, 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 this riff is the best one on the album. Um, really fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's like much like a lot of the other albums we're talking about today. It's really to the point. It's only mm. nine tracks. It's only 40 minutes long. Yeah. Um, it's just it contained genius. It always feels longer when I listen to it. I think that sort of, you just get lost in it because the song structures are like just so slightly odd. Um, it always feels like a much longer album. But it's not. And I, I really mean that in a good way. It really feels like you get lost in it and you get yeah. really absorbed in the experience. There's so much to think about, but it happens so quickly. And yeah. to give it a bit of its um, kind of, I don't know, uh, kind of metal calibre, there's some pretty, like, kind of in hindsight, like, impressive performances. Yeah. We have this one guitar solo on the album performed by Dan Ropeman Knight, who was mm. the replacement in Akakoka when Peter Benjamin, not Peter Benjamin, um, Oh, Jesus. Uh, Martin Wilcox, the oh, yeah, lead guitarist, yeah. quit towards the end of their previous lifespan before reforming. 
And he's also in the amazing band. You've just had one album, Ted Maul, who oh, are really... Ted Maul are really good, yeah. Yeah, really worth checking out. Like, this bizarre combination of, like, industrial dance music and it really extreme death metal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you can get hold of that, I'm so worth a listen. Uh, Daniel O'Sullivan plays keyboards, who is now a member of Olva since 2011. Oh, cool. Peter Benjamin does some backing vocals yes, yeah, on... Yeah. On uh, a wound that never heals, and Kvost of um, well, a million and one awesome things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, does some backing vocals on uh, track four, Mirror Jim, Mirror Image, Rich. Emma, Rich. I can't say it. You Mirror say it. Image Ritual. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Why can't I say that? <laughs> um, yeah. So like, there's just some great caliber added to this, but I think it's this is the album that really gave me the impression. There's this amazingly interesting London scene, which mm. we you know we see in recent years. Like evolve into like you know Reformation of Akkakocka, but yeah, in bands yeah. like Voices, you know the Antichrist Imperium. I'm just naming things of David Graham, yeah. but well, <laughs> I, 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 well, I'm bleeding over into this with Peter Benjamin doing some guests on here as well, and Nathaniel being an Akkakocka. Like, yeah, there's this really interesting thing that's going on there, which is creating variations on things that we know in a way which is really interesting, but you can't quite pick out why. Yeah, and I, I think this is the nature of why this album is. Like, just, yeah, a really genius, well-put-together thing. The other thing we haven't really touched on, or as I really got into in depth at any rate, is the lyric writing is incredible. Mm. Like, I I have never found an album, like especially, like, an extreme metal album that I've engaged with the lyrics quite so much. So, like, aforementioned, A Wound That Never Heals, is this brilliant, and this is from 2007, this brilliant rant on how, um, basically... A lot of like extremist kind of activist groups mm. are just building up for a fight that's gonna cause nothing but more harm to people. Featuring the amazing line "Holy War is the new rock and roll," mm. which in, yeah, in yeah. two thousand and seven feels prescient as all hell. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the final track is absolutely genius on this front. This song is quite a departure from the rest of the album. It's it's a track called. This has nothing to do with apathy. Yeah. And the song is just this kind of like emo kind of ramblings. Yeah, of like, yeah. Well, it really, it sounds like, you know, that depressed teenager, you know, at school who was just complaining about everything. But I, I can almost get it because of how Nathaniel does it, is the what? thing. Because it's so aggressive. This is the thing, though. What they've done is so genius because it's a slightly kind of, you know, self-involved ramblings with the riff in the middle of the song, a really melodic, a riff that almost sounds like a like a pop-punk riff. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. completely mistuned yeah, comes yeah. in, and you're just like, what is going on here? And the whole build-up is this, this character sort of, I, I guess sort of discussing while they're, they're feeling depressed or alienated, but the song kind of culminates after four minutes in Nathaniel just screaming, sleep with me. It's <laughs> so good. Because at first thing you're like, hold on, what? <laughs> you're like, oh, that's really good. It's just such a good kind of parody of any of that self-involved kind of rambling um, kind of songwriting. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But the song itself is still great. It's very different to the rest of the album. And it's, it's this very, it's much slower heavier and like with these breaks for the drums in the middle it brings back into this heavy riff and it really allows his vocals to shine on this just the aggression in it is fantastic because I, th- I think with this album as well there's kind of a departure towards the end because the first yeah. six tracks are kind of more of a theme and then the final three are where they seem to have experimented mm. even more like mm. track eight a new quest is like a, 
kind of in, like an interesting yeah. instrumental track, which is mainly based around like a repeating lead pattern. I think it comes in about three times. Yeah, it's like, got this sort of like really relaxed but incredibly catchy guitar lead, which is hovering like loud enough for you to clearly make out what's going on. But it's not this over the top look at how flashy the guitar work is. It just sort of slots in there, and sometimes you almost don't notice it. And you're like, oh, there's just a sound going on there, and then it's this really nice guitar lead. Really melodic, and uh, yeah, I, I love that song. It's so catchy. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think it's definitely like like all the stuff towards the end was actually like on first listen. That was the bit I really remembered. Was this yeah, kind yeah. of trio of the last three tracks? I, I like. I think mean, again, we could go on about this one forever because it's yeah. just amazing. But I think I've kind of said my piece on this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was by far. I mean, I loved all the albums I got to listen to. But this is by far my favorite, um, and I'm really excited to see what um, Damon come out with next. Yeah, right now, definitely follow based on this because, as I say, they kind of went quiet for a while, but now they've come back to doing a lo- like a whole string of live shows recently. Mm. Completely fresh lineup. It's just Nathaniel from this lineup with three new guys. Yeah. And yeah, it looks like they're back on form. I think they might even have the new album recorded and are just That's waiting really to exciting. release it, much like, you know, we're waiting on uh, the other London band voices. Yep. yep, yeah. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up in 2018 and definitely get on this one. Before yeah. we leave you this track, I'm going to say um, at the end of the... Hang around afterwards because we're going to do um, a few... Talk about a few bands we've seen live recently yeah. that, will be of interest, but that's, yeah, be a yeah, short segment. Uh, yeah, uh, de- go listen to this album because it is an amazingly interesting take on death metal. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the best thing I can say about it, quickly. And we'll leave you with, like, definitely the highlight track of the album. This is track seven, A Wound That Never Heals. <laughs>
Yeah, so it's like a kind of quick addendum to the episode. We want to do a sort of not quite nepotism corner thing of um, me and Rob have witnessed some really cool live shows locally, which are like mm. featuring a lot of, you know, unsigned or underground acts on like their, their first demo or first yeah. EP. So we thought we'd just give a little plug to two of them. The first one I want to talk about, Rob wasn't about for the live show. Anyway, I saw this. They're, uh, I think, London-based band, um, sort of black and death metal group called Sufferer, who are, um, well, when I saw them, were a two-piece unit of a guy doing guitar and vocals and a drummer. And the thing is, this still fucking ruled in this format. Like, kind of really stripped back, was still brutal, raw as fuck. Like, I'd probably more black metal and death metal, but, like, black metal in the kind of blasphemy vein, like, the super-focused short songs, yeah. just in-your-face aggressive punch. I was just playing their, uh, I think, like, debut EP to Rob. What did you reckon yeah. to that? It's certainly got that thing to it where you've got those sort of black metal-y, tremelo-y riffs, but it's got this punch to it. It's, like, right up in your face with that death metal energy. Uh, it sounded really cool. I- I'd be amazed to hear that sound from a two-piece. Uh, yeah, yeah. It- and <laughs> it does sound like something that would be fantastic live because it's got so much energy and intensity to it. It sounded really cool. Yeah, like, the drummer clearly has a lot of technical ability yeah. and, and the vocalist, like, the he's got one of those great things of a huge range, like, mm. from a really guttural mm. death growl to a really in-your-face kind of, like high-pitched scream but if you like if you like your death like your black metal like raw and super aggressive i seriously think these this band are like one to watch like, especially the live unit so the their like debut ep or demo is called war on life and it's it's pretty decent production is pretty ropey but it, it, it's it's a brutal demo and yeah it's the first demo i, I can forgive any kind of flaws yeah, on that yeah. front the playing's um, tight. It sounds great, and it's know? and it's got a really creepy album cover, which I really like. Yeah, the album cover is the, yeah, just a really terrifying black and white piece. Like definitely yeah. worth looking up. Um, also, interesting connection of they recently played live supporting Damon in oh, London. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, hence why I thought it's good at the end of the episode. But yeah, here, here's just like a little plug to Sufferer. We'll be back with the next band in a moment. Oh, like um, we're gonna play the first proper track of the demo. This is Skin Crawling with Maggots.
Okay, in a completely different vibe to this. This is a band both me and Rob saw live the other night. Uh, and we're going to have trouble placing genre. Yeah, yeah. Progressive, I guess. Progressive metal-y something. <laughs> yeah. So this is um, the Bristol-based four-piece Myst, spelled M-Y-S-T, as in... I don't know if it's related, but as in that terrible video game from the 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so we recently saw these live headlining a show upstairs in our local metal bar. Yeah. And it's a tiny little backroom space. And my initial thoughts seeing this band was, this is way too good to be here. Yeah, the, yeah. These guys are amazingly creative. They. Mm, mm. This so the lineup's quite straightforward. You've got guitarist, bass player, and drummer who all do various bits of backing vocals, then a frontman who just does sort of clean vocal yeah, yeah. um singing stuff and like very poetic like yeah, nature to it is thing, yeah, and it's sort of all the phrase as a story. I really like the theatrics of it. That it really helps draw you in, and that's one of the other things I was thinking, you know, this is just the back room of a you know metal pub. I wasn't expecting something which would have a stage show which would sort of draw you into the story of the songs, which is, yeah, just another bit which made you think, yeah, this this is really good. So, like, their sound, I, I find it really hard to place, like, there yeah. is moments of, like, Hakeness, like, especially Mountain Era sort of madness, like, as I say, yeah. four vocalists who at points were doing these four-way vocal melodies, much like, you know, yeah. tracks like The Cockroach King, and performing very well in a room with no monitors yeah. with the lights yeah. off. Like, just, yeah. just having to rely on it working through the sheer power of your voice. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a lot of stuff which goes a lot heavier. Like, yeah. I'm not quite... I'm trying, trying to find a band it's reminiscent of, but so guitarist Lewis, who I believe is like the main songwriter for everything does these really solid scream vocal backings. Yeah, yeah. Because Andy the singer doesn't do any screams, and there's actually a huge amount of screaming on, like, so the the debut EP they've got, Broken Circle, Mm. has, especially on the the final track, um, Worm, a lot of scream vocals as a backing portion of it. And, like, Lewis's vocals easily good enough to front a band definitely but but it's got all these extra elements to it which is i guess the thing that makes you think of a progressive genre is that it's just got a lot of different things thrown in and then all kept there um but yeah it it was really interesting there was some great interesting stuff to watch on the performances there were some really nice tapping sections on the guitar which fed in really organically to the rest of the song um yeah just really great to watch yeah, so like the, so the drum performance was really interesting as well because like and the drum and bass particularly have that thing you get in those kind of more you you know the the, the kind of Haken style progressive mm. bands of very interesting intricate melodies and or just patterns from both of them. But then the drum will occasionally drop in some lightning fast double kick work. Yeah, but it's yeah. very sparsely spread through the album, much like with the screen vocals that occasionally appear. Mm. They have that great thing of being able to move from like very light to very extreme. And the, the, the songs do seem to be largely based around these kind of, you know, moving patterns of just heavy to light yeah yeah and and doing it in such a way that it feels really natural and seamless uh because they didn't play as many of quite the heavy bits when we saw them but mm. even when they do you sort of only just about notice that you've got there it just all feels like a natural progression of what you've been hearing already um yeah which i think is a real art to write this stuff like that 
yeah, this just feels very much like one of those those projects where it's been brilliantly fought out. They see, yeah. like, if you like, like listen to the song we'll put on towards the end. Uh, this is way too fully formed for mm. a band on their first release. Like, I think they're they're building up at the moment to record a proper full length, which I can't wait for. Because yeah, I'd be really excited. This this debut EP is basically three full length songs. It's brilliant, and but it's only you know you only got your fifteen minutes of music, yeah. And yeah. there's something I just want to hear so much more from because this is a unique sound, and it mm, mm. and they're finding a niche in progressive music to be completely unique is is Very amazing. Difficult, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, listening to the lyrics as well, there's stuff to get you drawn in there, trying to work out what exactly is going on. There's really nice use of sort of repeating phrases, which helps the songs feel really quite distinct. Mm. You know, there's it, yeah, just this kind of like slightly poetic repeating phrases in it. I can't actually remember off the top of my head now. Um, uh, people call you friend, I think. Is yeah. It, which is just really nice. It gives it this sort of motif which keeps going throughout, which was, yeah, really helped you draw you into the song. Yeah, definitely. And like Andy's vocal performance is really interesting. Like he is, yeah. he is a pretty good range. He's like not a particularly high, he's not your kind of high pitched falsetto prog yeah. vocalist. He's, yeah, more of. Yeah, just like he, like in his stage presence mimics this as well. He's just this mad lilting poet. And yeah, yeah. It really helps give the band this unique vibe. Like I think the music without the vocal performances would be extremely interesting still. But adding that kind of strange take on top of it yeah, is yeah. really. Yeah, just led them to having a different sound or yeah. anything I've come across. Really. Yeah, and it adds that little sort of, those layers on top which makes something really, truly interesting. Also, should always, always, when we're saying progressive, we mean progressive <laughs> as in their song structures progress, not this is technical wizardry. Like, <laughs> these guys are clearly very gifted musicians, but there is very little self-indulgent musicianship, yeah, yeah. which is definitely... To be applauded in people yeah, who have so. that kind of guitar or drumming ability. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll close out on the third track from their EP, uh, Keep Eyes Sharp, which mainly we've put in because it's the shortest one. The other mm. two tracks are like seven minutes plus. <laughs> but I, I really would argue this is an EP to be heard in its entirety. Definitely. It's a continuous piece. It's got a, I think the story flows throughout it. So yeah, just time to do do a few plugs. Um yeah. Please rate and review us on iTunes. We'd really like to get some more reviews up there. I think I think it helps spread the message. And <laughs> yeah. also, we yeah, the feedback would be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we've had one already. It's just really lovely to read that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, follow us on Facebook. Just search for Phil's Breakfast Metal. We're on Twitter, at Breakfast Metal. Or you can contest us on Gmail at philsbreakfastmetal at gmail.com. Um yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I, we, we've been posting stuff before each of the episodes when we've got a good idea. We'll post something out about it. And if you, like, just with this one, you know, great metal albums from around, or death metal albums from around the 2000s. And then if you have any suggestions, let us know and maybe we'll talk about it. Um, if there's something really cool. Yeah, or, or if even if you've just got an idea of something you'd like us to cover. Because, yeah. I mean, if your taste kind of overlaps with what me and Rob like, you might be able to give us an album we've never heard of. That, yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd um, love to dive into. And, and, if, and if, yeah, if there's new stuff coming out this year that you think is really cool, send it our way. It'd be great to listen to. 
Yeah. Also, I want to mention uh, friends of ours in the podcast podcast into the combine have just started a Patreon for their podcast. Yeah. So if you like what they do, definitely go over there and, and check they've, some they've money. They've got an interview with uh, Peter Tagarin up, which yeah, go check that out. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> so cool to get that interview. That's amazing. Yeah, especially uh, for our hypocrisy special. You know, yeah, I am yeah. very fond of his work. Yeah. yeah. So today we're going to leave you with "Keep Eyes Sharp" by Mist. Trapped beneath Open